Bottled podcast from the Wisconsin Medical Society that looks at some of the top issues affecting patients and the practice of medicine in Wisconsin. I'm your host, Peter Welch, and with me again today is Rufus Sweeney. Hey, Rufus. Hey. Rufus is a medical student here at the UW and has uh, been working with us on this series of financial literacy podcasts. So we kicked off the podcast uh, with the last episode talking about budgeting, uh, budgeting versus uh, goal setting. And so now we're going to jump into podcast number two and talk about living like a resident. So most physicians, when they transfer from being a resident and get their first job as a physician, paycheck goes way up, right, Rufus? Mm, yep. But what happens then? I hear that this happens. Um, what happens with people's finances? What do they tend to do? What, what mistakes do oh, they make gosh. when they jump right into that you know, five-figure to six-figure yeah. realm? We've all seen it, right? You get the classic story of like somebody who graduates straight from their resident pay, they get their signing bonus, they get their like attending salary, and then they grow immediately, their expenses grow to match their salary, immediately. It's like, it's like a, a, a switch flips, and mm-hmm. suddenly they, um, they want to do everything that they've delayed gratification for, yeah. all at the same time. There's a really understandable sort of psychology behind it, right? This is what right. I've been working for. These right. are the long nights and the hard work, and I got it now. Yeah. What's and wrong I, with that? Right. Well, and I, <laughs> it's funny because I say, I, say, I say they, but what I mean is we, because yeah. like I, I include myself in this. I desperately want to you know it's not, not a day goes by that i don't think like oh man it's so it'll be so great to own my own home one day mm-hmm. and like thinking about that and having a pinterest board with my partner and like thinking about like, <laughs> the things that we're going to put in our home and the way we want to design it <laughs> look at those built-in cabinets <laughs> <laughs> so man it is so tempting to take the entire signing bonus and we get everything we you know and, and then our first year salary two two year salary and just empty it out into the things we've been thinking about for so long Mm-hmm. Right. And but and, you know, I, I don't blame anybody for doing that, for, for falling into that trap, especially mm-hmm. when they see somebody well into their career who they want to model their life after. They just want to do it right away. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but the whole idea behind living like a resident was pioneered by the white from investor. And it's something that I think um, might just be the most important thing that he teaches about, because should you live like a resident, you know, and you put that in, put that in quotes too, mm-hmm. live like a resident, meaning you, you live within the means of what a resident would live in, then suddenly after five, six years, maybe not even that, three to five years, mm-hmm. you have set yourself up for a really, really good life. Well, let's try to put some, some broad numbers on it. So I don't know if you have these offhand, but, you know, we're talking about a student debt uh, context in the U.S., a number we've probably all heard of, you know, a trillion and a half dollars right. of student debt, which has gone precipitously up in the last decade. Yeah. But what about physician student debt? Sometimes we hear, you know, 400,000, mm-hmm. 250, you know, so, so what's your sense on what the typical student debt is for a physician uh, getting out into the world? So the average graduating debt in the U.S. is $200,000 for MD schools, mm-hmm. $240,000 or so for mm-hmm. DO schools. That's continuing to go up. Mm-hmm. It's rationing up every year um, at a rate of about about five percent. But if you went to a private undergrad, if you you know everything yeah. that you know lump another hundred and twenty thousand onto that, that's right. and that's yeah. brutal. It's tough, and yeah. and that that doesn't stop compounding once you get to residency, mm-hmm. right? And so you you continue to escalate that number, and by the time you graduated and you become an attending, suddenly you're right. You're talking about four hundred thousand dollars is not atypical, right? So I, I'm working with the the radiologist. Um, 
Dr. Avi, who's who's co-headed this course with me, said that it's it's not uncommon for him to see four hundred fifty, five hundred thousand dollars from his graduating fellows. Mm-hmm. Now they're becoming radiologists, and more importantly, they're becoming subspecialized radiologists. So they'll be okay, mm-hmm. right? They'll be okay. They've they've got. Um, like even if they, I mean, even if you're getting up into the near million dollars, they're still going to be okay because those guys just they earn, they have a high income potential. But for your family physician graduating mm-hmm. after a few years of residency, um, if they're bordering on four hundred thousand dollars, I mean that's it's hard to make that math work, right? Because you're talking two x debt income ratio, mm-hmm. or you know, you're a, a, a debt to income ratio of two. Um, can you explain to the listeners what yeah. that means? Yeah, yeah. so a uh, debt-to-income ratio is sort of exactly what it sounds like. It's your amount of debt versus how much you make yearly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you graduate with $400,000 of debt and you become an attending and you you have the average of um, the average family physician salary, which is $225,000 or so starting out, then um, your $225,000 salary is about half your debt. Meaning, debt to income wise, you're at about two, right? Yeah. So, um, the without going too much into detail about the math, even though it seems like that's reasonable, it's actually kind of hard once you start talking those kinds of numbers to get over, like, to make the monthly payments enough to make that work in the amount of time you need to be good for your working years. I think that's a that's a reality that. Probably most patients don't understand, you know, maybe even other physicians don't understand, is the amount of their fellow physicians that are struggling, you know, maybe not struggling, but living paycheck to paycheck, you know, and a, that large paycheck comes in, but it all goes right back out to maintain that living expense. Right. So how can living like a resident um, for, you know, a decade or so after, after their residency, how can living like a resident for the first decade or so after after leaving residency, help set somebody up for success uh, in their career as a physician. Um, so, a number of ways. There's a number of ways that that can that can come back and impact you in the future. Um, I think this is a really good question because um, for a lot of people, they're like, well, I mean, I don't have to live that cheaply, right? Mm-hmm. As an attending. Um, and, and you don't. You, you don't have to cut your expenses down to live within a resident budget, right? But if you do, um, so you're, you're on, your average resident makes sixty seventy thousand dollars mm-hmm. $70,000 a year. Um, 25% of Which that I think is tax. more than like the average household income in the U.S. Yes. You know, so, I mean, there's, yeah, a, exactly. there's a context here that we yeah. got to remember. Exactly. But still, but you know, still. yeah, that's, right. they've got a budget. <laughs> right, so, exactly. But, but your average person... Uh, doesn't have three hundred thousand dollars of debt, you know? um, That said, when when uh, residents are are in training, often a lot of their money is tied up in you know paying their insurance, paying their uh, their loans, or at least mm-hmm. paying like the minimum they need to in order for you know the the federal government or these private agencies to be mm-hmm. satisfied. Um, and then by the time they've gotten around to you know spending it on their necessities, there's not much left over at the end of the month. Um, but as an attending, suddenly you're graduating into four times what you make as a resident. And with all of that extra three quarters of their money, if they were to just hammer at their debt, I mean just th- when you start making 
honest to God money, <laughs> you can start really honest to God, you know, putting putting that money toward building your net worth. Suddenly, you you start um, knocking out that three hundred four hundred thousand dollar debt, and it's really exciting. And after a couple of years, um, after you've knocked down that debt, you can start putting that money toward investing. And so you're right. Inside of a decade, um, if you if you're managing your money well and living like a resident, then um, you can you can uh, feasibly buy be financially independent by the time you know by ten years out of graduation. On our first podcast, we talked about sort of these five buckets of of um, you know different budget categories to think about, and they're very um, they're almost philosophical in how you're looking at how you're spending your money, which. I think is important. You think your money's wrapped up highly in your in your sort of job satisfaction, your life satisfaction. Uh, how do you? And I think about it in this context because let's say you you get out there, you become an attending, you uh, you quadruple your salary as you said, and you're being responsible, but every other position around you is not. And so then there's that pressure of you know how. I got to keep up with the Joneses, with the Dr. Joneses, you know, I got to, <laughs> hey, there's there's a certain lifestyle here that, of course, you know, logic says you should resist, but how do you balance it? Like, how do you balance the identity of becoming a physician and the decades of work you've put into becoming, you know, that attending physician mm-hmm. and uh, s- continuing to prioritize this live like a resident mentality? Yeah, that's that's one of the trickiest things to do. And um, I think it's it, it is more challenging for some than others. Um, for somebody who's ext- extremely uh, budget conscious mm-hmm. and, and really aware of exactly where their money is going and, and intentional about their life to the ex- like to the point where they are comfortable not li- keeping up with the Joneses this is this becomes a pretty easy exercise in self-restraint right mm-hmm. or maybe not like an easy thing but but more manageable than somebody who's whose whole identity is wrapped up in this image of being a physician and not driving the beater car, but driving the Tesla, right? When and not living in the, the mo- renting in a modest home, mm-hmm. but living in the nice physician house, right? Um, and so, to be fair, I, I think, like full disclosure, that one of the reasons why why I think it's so important that this podcast is being disseminated and blasted out to so many people is because this is the way that you change the culture of mm-hmm. keeping up with the Dr. Jones. Right. This is by talking about it openly, and it, it starts with those individual decisions by individual physicians who decide, no, I'm not going to prioritize, maybe getting the 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 doctor mansion. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm actually I'm, I think living within my means and paying off this debt is probably more important. Um, so you're talking about and, shifting shifting values, which yeah, is significant. Yeah. I mean, think about the image. We we're all younger in the room here, and we have this image still, the stereotypical image of what a what a doctor is. What is that physician? We still would probably, if we were if we were kids making a crayon drawing, that doctor's making house calls. Right. 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 And and you could argue there's a little bit of that coming back with direct primary care, but by and large, these physicians are employed. They don't own their own <laughs> practice. They're not knocking off to play golf at two on a Thursday. That's right. not necessarily the reality anymore. And so that that reality of how finances should be managed, um, hopefully can can be shifted as well, but right. that's a value shift. That's right, it's, and that is the hardest thing to change. Changing people's values and, and attitudes and beliefs, the most difficult thing to change. I think you probably right. see it in other professions too. You see, you know, uh, law firms that really, you know, 
are put a lot of pressure on their you know their potential partners in the law firm yes. and when they make partner right there's yep. that there's that same sense you're sort of now you've made it you can you know you can start spending differently but mm-hmm. you will find yourself uh, day late and dollar short it perhaps. never ends so basically too long didn't read right from, <laughs> uh, the way that you knock down some of those expenses is knocking down your fixed expenses which is your you know your housing and utilities insurance mm-hmm loan payments, transportation, those kinds of things that you have to pay for, trying to identify places in which maybe there's some places that you can't cut back, right? Mm-hmm. There are some unavoidable um, large expenses, but um, even with things like housing and utilities, trying to, to find a place um, that you can rent instead of buy, it's, it is 99.9%, actually, I'm just gonna make a bold statement, it is almost nearly 100% of the time, <laughs> it is, uh, yeah, I want to hedge a little bit. I'm not going to make absolute. Yeah. <laughs> oh, walking it back. I walking know, yeah. it back. That's so nearly 100% of the time it is the financially responsible thing to do to rent, which is surprising to a lot of people. But um, but the, the math is, has been done by people who are way smarter than me, namely namely Sal Khan from Khan Academy. <laughs> and it's, it, is, it is verifiable that renting is better. And so... Um, we'll, say, we'll get into that in the next yeah, podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, that's true. So that's cut true. down those variable or those fixed expenses. Try to avoid those larger variable expenses. Right. But plan for them, and just hammer away at that debt. Right. Delayed gratification. It sounds like. Yeah. If you like what you heard, visit our website www.wismed.org and look for future episodes wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you. For listening.